Hello. I'm so glad that you are able to join us for worship. It's indeed a blessing that we can come together in this way. But as always, it takes a village to make this time of worship available. So we, we thank people for their time, for their talent, and for their willingness. We thank Tamara for setting this up. We thank Cameron and Nicole for sharing their musical skills and talents. We thank Lisa for bringing in our Lenten candle devotions. And of course, we thank Scott for putting it all together. So thank you. Thank you very much. And thank you for joining us this day. I would like to invite Lisa to come and share with us the Lenten candle devotion for today. Good morning. Hope everybody's had a good first week of Lent. We're on week two. And so today our scripture comes from Romans 4, 13. It was not through law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For, for if by those who live by law are heirs, faith has no value and the promise is worthless because law brings wrath. And where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, the promise comes by faith so that if it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. And it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not, are not as though they were. So we today, um, we're reminded of, of the covenant and of Abraham and God's promises to him. So today, as we extinguish the second Lenten candle, we're reminded of God's promise to Abraham and Abraham's faithful trust in God. God's promise to us, if we believe, is that we will be accepted by him. What is it we believe? We believe that Jesus died for our sins and was raised up from death so we can be right with God. Praise God for this matchless gift. Let us pray. O God of Abraham's faith and trust in you, you made him the father of all nations. You have made wonderful promises for us as well. We proclaim our belief, but we help, but help us in our unbelief. Amen. There are several announcements which I would like to bring to your attention. First of all, please always remember the people who are on our prayer list. The list grows, the list changes, and each and every person needs your care and your prayers. This is the last day of February, but I believe 
that the church will still receive gifts for the Columbia Friendship Circle that supports scholarships for students. Our Lenten Bible studies began last week as we talked about God. This week we will listen as Marcus Borg talks with us about who is Jesus. As always, we give you thanks for your continuing financial support, your gifts, your offerings, your tithes. You are what make and help this congregation continue to move forward. The Lord be with you. Our first piece of special music is sung to us by Cameron King. It is the hymn, God Our Help in Ages Past. invite you to join me in prayer as we lift up our general prayers for this our world and the time in which we live and come together and pray the Lord's Prayer. Let us pray. Our good and gracious God, our lives are filled with your goodness and your grace, and yet sometimes we are blinded to your goodness and to your grace. We say, fail to see the wonder of your love which surrounds us. So we come to you in confession, seeking your loving presence which will open our lives to the wonder which surrounds us this and every day. We call out to you to shower love and grace upon us that we too may shower love and grace upon all those you love. Lord God, with your love and your grace guiding our lives, we earnestly pray for those who continue to be blinded by the wonder of what is directly in front of them, your gift of hope and the possibilities of newness. We come before you this day with great thanksgiving for your presence in our lives, which guide us to pray for those who are struggling. To pray for those who face difficult decisions. To pray for those who wonder in this time of prosperity how they will feed their family. 
to pray for those whose lives are torn apart by illness and distress, to pray for those who seek answers but cannot find them no matter how hard they search, to pray for those who protect the most vulnerable in our lives and those who seek a way out of this difficult year. Lord, hold them close. Surround them with your love and open doors of hope for them. All these things and so much more, we pray in the name of our loving Jesus, who taught us that we may always come to you praying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We have two lessons for today. The first is from Psalm 122. In this Psalm, we have a prayer for peace and rest for Jerusalem its inhabitants, and the pilgrims who come to worship there. Hear the word of the Lord. I rejoice with those who say to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing in your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built like a city that is closely compacted together. That is where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to praise the name of the Lord, according to the statutes given to Israel. There the stones for judgment stand, the thrones of the house of David. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. For the sake of my brothers and friends, I say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. The word of the Lord for the people of God. Our second lesson comes continuing to come from the Gospel of Luke. It's part of a series of stories and teachings which began just as Jesus left Mary and Martha's home and continued his journey to Jerusalem. The first of the stories we will hear today asked our question, the question that is on our lips, why? The second story aligns Jesus with God, with the creator 
who lamented over the Israelites, who seemed unable, unable to live in harmony with others and with the God who had created them and made their lives possible. Hear the word of the Lord. Now there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will perish. Or those 18 who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them. Do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. The second part of our story comes from the very end of the Gospel of Luke, after Jesus has healed and talked about the kingdom and how one might enter there. Beginning at the 31st verse. At, their time, at that time, some Pharisees came to, Jerusalem, to Jesus and said to him, leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. He replied, go tell that fox I will drive out demons and heal people today and tomorrow and on the third day, I will reach my goal. In any case, I must keep going today and tomorrow and the next day for surely no prophet can die outside Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. You who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The word of the Lord for the people of God.
we begin with two calamities. One, state-sanctioned terror, and the other, a random accident. Both with lives snuffed out with little warning and no apparent reason. Both a reminder of just how precarious life really is. Both leaving the people with the question, why, on their lips. With almost a year of this pandemic behind us, even as we don't know what lies in front of us, with the knowledge that friends have been sickened by this horrible disease, and some have even succumbed to it. With endless disruptions in our daily activities and lives, with continuing change on how we are to do things, we too wonder, why? Why has this happened? What have we done to have this piled upon us? We too want explanations. And in the distance, somehow, some way, we hear someone say, you simply need more faith. You know this is punishment for sin. A tower fell on some unsuspecting Galileans, and the people ask why. The standard answer in Jesus' time was someone sinned. A pandemic takes 500,000 plus lives in this country and millions more around the world. And we wonder, is violence and suffering random? Or is it part of the divine plan? But Jesus says, no, for there is no direct line between cause and effect. One can live like an angel with no guarantees of a life free of tragedy and distress. One can live separated from the love of God and seemingly avoid all harm. There really is no direct line between cause and effect. The truth is there are horrible things around us. Awful things happen. And we can choose to live in fear, always looking over our shoulder for what is coming next. Or, or we can begin to cultivate in our lives an attitude of gratitude. We can be thankful for each and every moment of each and every day 
and for all the amazing people in our lives. And when we find the will and the way to gratitude, we also find that thankfulness will add quality to our lives and will help us to be equipped for the tragedies that will come. It seems that Jesus does hear our question, our need for explanation. But he does not try to explain. Instead, he seeks to reframe the conversation. He steers the conversation away from why, away from blame, away from cause and effect. Jesus implies, Jesus knows that the victims did nothing wrong, nothing that caused their deaths. Sin is not the reason. He does not equate tragedy with divine punishment. Neither does he equate good fortune as God's blessing on our lives. Fred Craddock put it this way, Jesus rejects such attempts at calculation, not only because they are futile, but because they deflect attention away from the primary issue, the obligation of every person to live in penitence and trust before God. And that penitent trust is not to be linked to sorrow, life's sorrows or life's joys. Jesus seeks to reframe the conversation. Jesus says twice, unless you repent, you will perish. Unless you turn to God, you will die. Jesus wants to talk about repentance, which literally means to change one's mind, one's heart, to see things in a new way, to change our perspective. Repentance is not so much about feeling guilty for what we did or didn't do. It's about change. It's about transformation. It's about living our lives in harmony with God and all of God's creation. Repentance is a new consciousness of our shortcomings. Yes, but repentance is not simply doing the right thing. It is more about turning toward God. Repentance reminds us of God's grace in our lives and calls us to be gracious. And it's not that some need it more than others for sin is a universal condition. As I learned as a child in my dad's growing up church, all have fallen short of the glory of God with the emphasis on all. 
We all deserve to be cut down like that tree that didn't produce. But by the grace of God, we have a patient gardener who makes another opportunity possible. Please don't get me wrong. I don't believe that Jesus is pointing a finger and whipping up fear. If you don't get it right, you will die. No, I believe Jesus is carving out an opportunity for us to seize God's graciousness. Just as Romans continues with that verse, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All are treated as righteous freely by grace. We can choose to fear Jesus' call to repentance, to hear in it judgment. Unless you bear fruit, you will be cut down. Or to hear the plea of patience and mercy from the gardener. We can hear judgment or the truth that God does not give up upon us, that with God there is always a possibility for growth and fruitfulness. To paraphrase what someone said, God does not leave us to our own devices. God encourages repentance. God's presence is our God. The gardener in this story was patient and persistent. He did not give up. Neither does God give up on us. The Spirit patiently helps us grow even as we struggle with growth. The Spirit uses the events and the people of our lives to draw us closer into a deeper and firmer relationship with God, to make us more fruitful, more willing to reach out in love to another. God transforms us through grace, and that grace calls us to be more gracious and generous. Jesus' words of repentance do remind us of the unknowns of each and every day, but also that human life is a gift infused with grace. So repentance is not fearful, but reaches toward joy and hope. Our time ends with Jesus like the prophets of the Hebrew scriptures, looking at Jerusalem and lamenting. Jesus pours out his heart. He speaks of God's great love for the people, of God's great sadness that they cannot live in that love. He speaks with sadness not punishment for the people's rejection of God's love. He speaks of God as one all-loving parent who seeks to embrace us even when we struggle and resist 
that embrace. He speaks of God who does not turn away from us. He speaks of God who waits patiently and welcomes us on our return by gathering us in and sheltering us. My friends, there is judgment, yes. Yet because of God's love, God decides on a different solution to human sin. As Fred Craddock writes, God's mercy is still in conversation with God's judgment. And we can be grateful, very, very grateful indeed. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Nicole will sing our second piece this morning. God be with you till we meet again. choose to live in fear or in joy. We can choose to believe in punishment or in grace. We can choose to live with God or without God. But as Joshua said of old, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And may now that God who loves us, that God who shelters us, that God who reaches out to welcome us, encourage us and strengthen us for the work ahead. In Christ we pray, amen. Have you started? Yeah, but he'll cut it. He can cut. I can't. No, sometimes he doesn't. <laughs>